Welcome to Words Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is uh, 4-19-2023. <clears throat> We're ready to begin our worship service. Let's have prayer. Father, thank you for this time we have. We thank you for life, health, and strength. We thank you for those who have joined this call, and we pray as we open your word that you give us the wisdom that we need to <clears throat> look at the verses in front of us. We thank you, Father, for all that you have done for us in this world in terms of traveling mercies, especially for Dwight. And we pray that uh, for those who are sick among us, <clears throat> if there's those that are on our hearts, Father, you know, you know the names of those and we lift them up even now. So we thank you for <clears throat> your grace, your preservation of us here in this world yet another day. So we pray that you will give us wisdom as we approach your word. It's in Christ's name. Amen. 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 All right. So <clears throat> we have been studying in the book of Romans, as you know, chapter 12. We are on verse 3 today. Let's see. We'll see how far we get. I don't know if we're going to complete it all. There's a lot of themes in here that we need to talk about. <clears throat> and hopefully you have been following along in the context that will help us orient to the verses therein. So this is why it's important to focus on the context so we can know still that the subject is worship. <clears throat> so let's get to it. Romans 12, 3 says, By the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. The spirit of truth continues to define the parameters of what is his, quote, good, pleasing, and perfect will. <clears throat> the subject is worship, or better said, how we respond to God in this age. As we learn more and more about this unique age and the new creation, <clears throat> we gain the divine perspective. As we grow up in Christ, we will discover the grace that has been given to each of us. To discover this properly, some introspection is involved. So <clears throat> there's so much more in the context, uh, we spend quite a lot of time on verse two in Romans chapter twelve. I, Romans, I mean, what other verse can we get to that says, "Here's how we can determine what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will." I, I don't know of a well. There are other scriptures in the Bible, but this is a good one that talks about how to get the understanding so that we can properly respond to God, whether it be worship or through our spiritual gifts. Right? We can know what our response to God is perfectly and <clears throat> because we can know what God is expecting of us. I think that's important. So anyway, <laughs> chapter two, we did complete that last week, but believe me, even though we completed it, we're not done with it. There's still more to say with regard to those that important verse. So, but we're moving forward. We're now in 12.3, and we're going to start digging in. <clears throat> so this phrase, for by, this is point number one, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. First thought is, the grace given me. What is Paul speaking of here? And the answer is the appointment to his role as apostle in the church. Uh, I don't know why I wrote that. Sorry, that's a typo where I wrote in the church a couple too many times. Here, let me just correct it. In the church, which gives him <clears throat> the authority to speak to all of us in this manner. So I'm going to look at two verses because we're, we're saying and. Ephesians 4, 7, where it says, uh, to each one of us, <clears throat> grace has been given. So Paul says in this verse, 
for by the grace given me. So we just want to put that together and make sure that's what he's talking about. What grace, we could say. What do you mean, Paul? So in Ephesians 3, 7 and in Ephesians 4, 7, we can get two good verses that deal with that. Ephesians 3, 7, I'm turning to these, says, I became a servant of this gospel, and here it is, by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. <clears throat> now, when we read that, I don't think we would assume that he's talking about salvation by grace. Uh, I don't think that's what we're talking about here. I don't think Paul thinks that's what he's... He says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, <clears throat> this grace was given me, notice, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. And then in Ephesians 4, 7, we get the same similar but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So it's important <clears throat> as we look at those two, we can know that the grace given the Apostle Paul is his apostleship. But he didn't just, now remember, Paul was a Pharisee and he was in the nation of Israel. Paul is completely now showing that he has changed his thinking, he has renovated his mind through the spirit of truth, so that, and not only that, he is an apostle to the church. That's the grace that Paul's talking about, that, that he's been given this gift. We have to talk more about these gifts, because we somehow associate gifts with uh, our abilities, what we're good at, what we feel comfortable with. We think, oh yeah, that must be my gift because I'm good at that. That's what I like doing. Well, we have to discover what those gifts are. Remember, if it's been given by God's grace, and if it's by grace, then it is not of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. So point B, Colossians 1.25, and watch this. Watch this scripture. It says, wherefore I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God. Now, I'm quoting from the King James Version. Why? Because I like how they translate the word oikonomia, which is the word for dispensation or administration or stewardship. It's translated a few different ways. But here, it helps us know, watch, I am made a minister. He's not just made a minister for Israel. It's according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. It's important that we associate Paul's calling with the new age. Paul came to faith in Christ for his salvation in this new age. And as a result, God also blessed him with the responsibility of being an apostle. And it is a responsibility. Point C, Paul was given the authority to speak to us in this age. Now, when I say he's given the authority, he's saying I'm an apostle. He gets to, uh, you know, he has, it, this is a leadership and it's an authority gift that he has the opportunity to speak. Remember, the, in the foundation of the church is the apostles, prophets. So things that Paul has, has written here, are foundational to our spiritual lives. They impact us. Now, I'm not in any way saying <clears throat> I'm some sort of apostle here. I, I, don't, I don't have the gift of apostleship as the Apostle Paul did. But for sure, even with the gift I have, I have the um, opportunity to be able to speak to everybody and to say and illuminate what the Word of God has said. But Paul is in a different place altogether. He received a revelation directly from God, and he has also been given the, the spiritual gift of apostleship. So that is an authority gift, and it is foundational to the church. So, But he has a right to speak, and the words that he says 
through the inspiration of God, are more authoritative than what I would could possibly say. So he is speaking to us, but I ask the question, are we listening? Well, we are in this church, but when I say we, I mean the church at large. Are they listening to the message that we are hearing through the Apostle Paul and the Spirit of Truth? And I can answer that question. I think all of you could answer that question to yourselves. Point D, <clears throat> so grace, for by the grace given me. So let's look at that word grace. Notice, grace cannot be earned. It can only be received. Now we can reject the grace of God. There's no doubt about that. But look at <clears throat> another thought about grace. Because remember, <clears throat> this is not, Paul wasn't given this because he had special abilities uh, that God felt like he was going to be able to use. He was given this because it was God's sovereign choice to make him an apostle. Paul didn't choose this for himself. Colossians 1.29. Let's look at a couple verses. Colossians 1.29 says, <clears throat> To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy. Now notice, he's telling you how he does this. Well, we should go back to 28. Why not? He says, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, notice to this end, what end? That he's working toward that end to bring people to maturity, right? to grow people up, to get them so that they can handle the meat of the word. That's important. To this end, I strenuously, Contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Notice it's not his power. So it's interesting. When we believe in God, right, we believe in Jesus Christ for salvation. We have to look away from ourselves. And that requires that we look away and look to Christ, right? We're not saying what weak faith doesn't mean we looked at, at ourselves. It means we looked away from ourselves. And grace requires that we don't look at ourselves, our abilities, who we are. If, if this gift has been given the Apostle Paul, it's not going to have anything to do with his power, his personal power and abilities that he has as a human being. He can't go back and relate to his uh, pedigree as an Israelite, the tribe of Benjamin and all that he could go on and talk about. He was a Pharisee. None of that matters because everything God is requiring of him, he has provided to him in grace. Same thing with you. So you may not realize what abilities you have, what enablements, what God has graced you with. Remember, when you are blessed with this, there are responsibilities. God expects that you exercise that gift for the good, right? The good of the body while we're here in this world. We're all we have, right? There's nobody, there's, it's us and the whole world is against us, as it says in 1 John 5. The whole world is against us and the only thing is here is the church. And so we have to stick together and God has given these gifts for the benefit of the body and the work that goes on in the world today. So it's not Paul, and he's acknowledging that it's not him. He's saying it's he's working hard, but it ain't. It's not with his energy. It's with the energy of Christ, which so powerfully works in him. So First Corinthians fifteen is our next verse. Let's get to that. First <clears throat> Corinthians fifteen ten. Let's look at that one. This is to say, <clears throat> well, this. Let's go to nine because, and you, if you really want, you could read the context, right? But that will be if you, you know, when you get in front of your computer or your Bible, this is the kind of work that you should do. And make sure that when I'm giving you these verses, 
that they're in context, or it is what we're talking about. Right? So 15.9, for I am the least of the apostles, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Notice, it's by the grace of God, I am what I am. And this grace, to me, was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet, notice, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So notice again, Paul is saying, listen, I outworked all of them. I worked harder than them all. But really, it wasn't me. It was the grace of God that was with me. So that, again, it isn't, yeah, we're, we're talking about a person who has the gift of apostleship. But the same is true for every one of us. And how we receive that gift and how we understand it and how we allow that gift to work through us is where God is going to be rewarding us. So remember, it's like, the vine and the branches. We're the branch. We're not the, the gardener. We're not the vine. And we're not the fruit. What are we then? We're the branches. And that's where the fruit grows upon in the world. So, <clears throat> so notice, it is not... We don't produce the fruit. We don't even say what the fruit is. It, we're ju it's just through us. And, and for us allowing God to, uh, to use us in this manner will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. So that's important to note. When it says, Paul says, for the grace given me, I say to every one of you. He has the authority to say to every one of us because of the position that God has given him in grace. Paul didn't earn it. It wasn't some uh, thing that he, he had to, some mountain he had to climb before God would grant this grace to him. Because that would be a contradiction, right? It would be by his works. It, Paul did not earn this. It is the sovereign grace of God. Point number two. So, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, here's what he says. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And we need to take some time with this one. Uh, not to think of yourself more highly. The, all of those words are really just this one Greek word. Hooper forneo. This is a, it's a mouthful. But that's what this means. To in this it means to esteem oneself over much. Uh, that is, be vain or arrogant. To think more highly. And this is all coming from Strong. Strong's definition. So that one word, and that's what it's been translated as. Uh, do not think of yourself more highly. Right? In other words, overestimating who you are, um, esteeming yourself as somebody very important, or looking at or thinking that you have some sort of capabilities beyond what you really do have. Don't be arrogant. Don't look at self and puff yourself up or, or be proud. Right? These, are, this, these, these are ways the word is basically used. So let's look at uh, point B. We are called upon to evaluate ourselves in the light, in light of our response to God in this new creation. Therefore, we must be careful not to think in terms of arrogance. Now, it's just, <clears throat> listen, if God is saying that we have to look at ourselves, and you do have to look at yourself, how are you going to determine what your proper response is if you don't have a correct understanding of what you've received and who you are and all of that. You know, this is, this is kind of key. It's telling us to look at ourselves, which is the opposite of faith. So, but it's not to say we should look at ourselves in our sin nature. Remember, we are to stop being conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that transformation by renewing our minds 
is how we're supposed to see ourselves. Basically, we wouldn't even know what God is up to unless we're able to see and understand the plan of God. And it's important that we know the plan of God. I mean, every company that I've worked for, I remember when I was busy working, they always had a mission statement. What are they doing? Why are they there? What's this company? Uh, what, what are they doing to, uh, for the world? What is, what is their product? Or whatever it was. There's a purpose. And for you to work for them or be associated with them in some way to help them, you have to know what it is they're doing. You can't just assume, yeah, I already know what you guys are doing and I'm already... No, that would be wrong. That would be arrogant. But in this case, from what he's getting ready to talk about, he's talking about the pleasing will of God, the perfect will of God, with how you are able to respond to God in this way that he expects of you. So you got to know what he's up to. You got to know what what his plan is. You got to understand what his eternal purpose is before you are able to help him. And <clears throat> once you turn the corner and you understand God's eternal purpose, then your gifts should come into focus. How you can contribute to the Father's eternal purpose. Now there's some things that are in between that, but Ultimately, that's where we're talking about in this verse, right? So we're called upon not only to look at ourselves, to, but not our sin nature, but to look at ourselves as far as how we relate to the Father's eternal purpose that we just had our minds transformed to or renewed with. And that's what's important about this verse. Yes, we're going to have to look at ourselves, but it's telling you not to be arrogant. Don't don't get the big head. Don't start thinking that you uh, are more or something that uh, you're not. Look at, and we're going to get to the place where it talks about uh, how we ought to look at ourselves with sober judgment. We're going to talk about that. That's coming. So we'll get the answer to how we should look at ourselves. But we first are told. Be careful. <laughs> Don't look at yourself in terms of arrogance, right? So that's point C. Arrogance or high-mindedness is an unrealistic attitude about ourselves that originates from the sin nature and not the spirit of truth. <clears throat> so he's giving you what not to do first, and then he's going to tell us what to do. And we need to understand both for us to have the proper judgment about ourselves. <clears throat> Not to look at ourselves uh, unrealistically or from the point standpoint of the sin nature. We have to renew our minds. And then, <clears throat> once we have that renewed mind with respect to, the, to God's eternal purpose, we're going to be able to see how we fit in the Father's purposes and His plan. Then, then we'll be able to figure that out. It'll make sense to us then. So that's point C, right? We've just dealt with. <clears throat> and point D is um, then we ought, right? So do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. So <clears throat> this part says that uh, there is corrective evalu- there is a correct evaluation of ourselves. If he's saying, don't think of yourselves more than we ought. Well, what we ought then to look at is the correct evaluation of ourselves. That's what he's saying. There is a correct way to see ourselves. And we're going to get to that. But again, I say, be careful. Why do I give this be careful twice? Because today uh, in the Christian world, Many people are making assumptions about who they are before they even understand what God, uh, what his plan is. So the problem, I would say, is because if, if let's just say you're in Church A, and <clears throat> Church A does not teach the Father's eternal purpose. They don't talk about 
the mystery because our lives, our the plan, the dispensation was hidden. Even the wisdom that we're destined to was hidden before, you know, in God. Nobody knew this. And um, so as we think about it, they don't teach it. They don't talk about the uniqueness of the new creation. None of that. But yet, that church is busy trying to tell people how to be saved, and they're busy telling people who are saved, here's how you ought to live. Here's what you should be doing. All right, so whatever their plan is, whatever it is, if it's not according to what the spirit of truth is urging upon that believer, then there's going to be problems. The leadership. That's why Paul says, I say to everyone who's here among you, right? I have the authority to say what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God is speaking through me. This is not the Apostle Paul. Even though he's saying, I'm saying it, he's saying, God is speaking through me. And just like we saw in the other verses, not me, he says, but it is the grace of God in me doing the work. So, we have to think of this and be careful because that person is not going to get the correct renewing of their minds. When it says to renew their minds, that's what it's talking about. It's not just, well, just get mature. Just be more knowledgeable about the Bible. Uh, study Israel more carefully. No, it's very specific information that deals with the age in which we live, the Father's eternal purpose. So if you don't know what the Father's eternal purpose is, if you think that the church is just an extension of Israel and and you have a cavalier attitude toward these things that are very dogmatic in the scripture, then there's not going to be the carefulness that I'm referring to. When you evaluate yourself, you're going to say, how do I fit in with what they're doing? How do I fit in what their agenda, what they're telling me the plan is. So notice, the spirit of truth has been given to this age in particular for this purpose, not for just so that we can continue on like what we had. There's new information, hidden information that must be assimilated and understood. And it is a wisdom. That means how we apply the knowledge that we have. Like, like it says in 1 Corinthians 2, 7, a wisdom destined for our glory before time began. That is, is, that's why I, we have to move out of the land of uh, general you know, and get into the specific of the scripture, what Paul is trying to tell us. All of this thing, this thing fits together like that. Okay, so let's keep going. So, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Point number three, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Okay, but rather. So, point A, but rather. Here we have a contrast. In other words, he told us what not to do already. So, we, we have that as a contrast. Now he's going to tell us what to do. So we are to think of ourselves, but not with arrogance. So again, this is a tricky one because a person is going to think to themselves, well, what anybody, if we leave it open and, and broad, then uh, people are going to fill in the blank with whatever they want. But what we're not doing, we're not doing that. We're making this specific because it is specific. Paul is talking about the church age. He's talking about being, you know, being conformed to this world, right? And and how we need to stop that, and how we're going to find out what is good, pleasing, and perfect will is for us. Now, his good, pleasing, and perfect will is not the same thing that he had for Israel. Why? Because Israel has a different purpose than the church. If you were in Israel, or if you were a Gentile in the Old Testament, you couldn't have what is said in these verses. It wouldn't apply to you because this is New Age information, not revealed to them. So, let's get to it. So, but rather, we have a contrast, as we said. Just notice we're turning the corner. Point B. 
with sober judgment. Rather, think of yourself with sober judgment. So the context is that being sober means a mind that is transformed by the spirit of truth. And I, I, I don't know how many times I should say this. And you might say, well, Doug, we got the point. I mean, dude, you're beating a dead horse here. Well, when you go out there and talk to people, you'll see why I'm beating this horse. And this horse is not dead at all. Because most people don't understand the Father's eternal purpose so that whatever works they're doing or whatever they think is pleasing to God, well, it is not according to the Spirit of Truth. So you got people on the one hand praising the Holy Spirit, saying how they love the Spirit, and on the other hand, they are resisting the Spirit because they refuse to allow the Spirit to lead them and guide them into this new dispensation, the truth. So it is critical as we think, even if we were to divorce ourselves from thinking about what other people are doing, we need this for ourselves. We need to be specific about what it is we're being transformed into. Or when we're filled with the Spirit. Well, what is the influence of the Spirit influencing us to? Is it just to be good? Or is it to fulfill the Father's eternal purpose in us? Right? We have to come to the realization that we're not talking about something general but very specific right Romans 16 25 is the verse that I have uh, to talk about uh, let's see Romans 16 and you we've covered this already but here's what Paul says now to him was able to establish you in accordance with my gospel the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ <clears throat> there it is that's the gospel right but then it's not just that in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. So this is specific. Now, you know, you might say, well, wow, Paul, you, you really, really have um, made this a point. But if you... Look at this, this revelation of the mystery. And he's lumping this in because once a person is saved, first they're saved by grace and their call from eternity past where God chose them to be in Christ is also by grace. Their life is by grace. The gifts that God provides them is going to be by grace. So it is not what happened in Israel. It is something completely different that's happening now. New dynamic. You got all of the things, the baptism of the Spirit, filling, the sealing, the gifting, all of these things, the indwelling of the Spirit. All of these things make us something different. It takes us out of this world. I could go on and talk more about the uniqueness of who we are. But notice, the gospel that we have includes what God has led us into. It is as if we were coming home. Right? We're coming to the place where we go back and understand all that God did to create all things and why he created all things in the first place and how he chose us in Christ. We can go back to that. Now here we are answering the call in 2023. So... Let's get back to it. Sober, that's sober judgment. So the context is that being is that being sober means a mind that is transformed by the spirit of truth. Hopefully that's dispensationally understood. Point C. The word sober, so for net, oh, right? It's the same as remember we had the word hooper fornetto. And, and, and now we have another word that's thrown to be sober-minded, right? It means to be of sound mind, that is, sane, figuratively, or moderate. Be in right mind, be sober-minded, soberly. These are all ways it can be used in Scripture. So, um, <clears throat> point D, 
to be sober is metaphorically used throughout the New Testament for uh, appropriate thinking, right? So when it talks about for us to be sober, it means that we should be thinking according to the Spirit, right? We didn't finish this, but but that's the thought, that we should, we should not be um, thinking according to the sin nature. We should be sober. So Paul uses this in a couple different places in the New Testament. Let's look at a couple. The proper thought for the new creation is the filling of the Spirit. So there, <clears throat> that filling of the Spirit does dictate. So let me look at a couple verses to understand sober. Titus 2.6 is the first verse we'll look at. Titus 2 and 6 says, similarly, um, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. Now, actually, that Greek word is here. It's If you look at a uh, different, um, how about KJV? Uh, yeah, King James Version has it translated sober. Young men, likewise, exhort to be sober-minded. Oh, young people can, young, you know, they can get uh, ahead of themselves. They have a lot of passions and things going on. And so he's in telling Timothy to encourage young men to, to be uh, sober-minded. In other words, controlled by the filling of the Spirit. We have that as an influence in the spiritual life. And that keeps us focused on what the goal is, what, what the objective is, rather than just, you know, following your whatever passions are leading you around in this world. And then in Ephesians 5.18, Ephesians chapter 5, you can go back to the NIV for this, 5 verse 18 says, as you know already, we've covered this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. So being drunk with wine is, uh, called, it, it imposes upon us an influence. Now, I've never been a big drinker, but there were times when I did drink and I drank too much. And this is 100 years ago, so I don't, don't get any ideas. So when I drank too much, I became what we call under the influence or inebriated. And <clears throat> this was definitely not who I was. Uh, I would say nobody who is drunk is their best self. <laughs> Even if we're just talking in term, human terms. Uh, being drunk on wine, it, it definitely influences, has an influence on your body, and it's visible. In fact, many times if you're driving and uh, you're driving erratically, they may think you are under the influence of some alcohol or drug. So he's saying, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And then he's given a contrast. He's using this metaphor. To talk about what we should be, what influence should be affecting our lives as believers. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, again, the filling of the Spirit is not just focusing on, you know, good and bad, you know, being good for goodness sake. That's not the filling of the Spirit. Filling of the Spirit, again, is very specific. It is talking about the influence that is leading and guiding us into all truth. That is the Holy Spirit. That's his job. That is, he's God and he's in us, empowering us. Now, of course, you can, as we know very well, we can resist the Holy Spirit. Well, again, if this, this has been given to us. It, it is called a gift. All the things that the, the indwelling, the filling, these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Remember, when we apply gifts, we know that it does not mean that we have earned them or deserved them. This is a power. God is in us. And it is a power, an influence to cause us to, to be able to pursue the Christian way of life, to grow up, to come become enlightened with regard to the spiritual life 
and to empower us and encourage us to live accordingly. Now, it is not anything we have done. All we are doing is allowing God to use this vessel that is here on the earth. It is the same thing as Christ. When Christ is here, what he is here. When he was here on the earth, he stepped aside. He said, "Father, go ahead. Live in me. Speak through me. Teach through me. Do your will through me." And so he allowed the Father to use him so that he could uh, have his will. The Father could have his will. Christ said, the Father is in me, and, and it is the Father speaking through me. Philip, don't you, don't you know me, Philip? Even anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? The Father's been the one teaching you all along. Right? So, so obviously, this isn't the first time Jesus taught that. For he's telling Philip, what do you mean, Philip? Don't you know me by now? So this whole thing, the filling of the Spirit is an influence. That influence is not us. We can resist or refuse to receive the influence of the Spirit. We may be shy. We may be timid. We may be fearful. A lot of things, because the Spirit is trying to tell us things that eyes haven't seen, ears haven't heard, neither have they entered into the heart of man. So it's going to require that we have the humility first to allow Him to teach us what these things are. But that hunger and thirst for us to understand who we are, our, our identity, all of that is important. Spirit, All the Spirit does is fills us with the, inf the proper influence. And this is what is important, right? There's, it's in contrast to uh, the world. And being sober means to be not drunk. But, and we even say it's sober today. But it's used here as a metaphor. That is exactly how it's used, as a metaphor for drunkenness and sober, right? There's the contrast. Don't be drunk with wine. Well, that's sin nature, but be sober. Well, what's sober? Sober is being filled with the Spirit, which is the renewing of your mind, knowing the eternal purpose of the Father and allowing the Spirit to lead you into it. So, we could get into point number four, but you know what? I promised that we would take a little time at the end because there may be some questions. And there was a question on the table from last week. And um, we're going to turn to that now. And we'll pick up point four and the rest next week as we uh, round this out. So <clears throat> back to Bill's question last week, which I don't feel I answered sufficiently. Uh, so he said... What would it be like if a person who was doing fine, focused on allowing God to, to lead them into all truth, and then all of a sudden they got out of fellowship, right? They got involved in something and it took them away and they lost their focus and the spirit was resisted and on and on, right? We could, I think, what would be the result of that person, right? Not at the judgment seat of Christ. But what would it be like for that person? Okay, so now they come back. I believe that's right. They come back, right, Bill? I don't think it's... They stay away. But they come back. Okay. So what would be the result of that? And I, <clears throat> I should have said... Um, it's like what happens to these Hebrew Christians in chapter 5, right? So that's what I probably should have said so um so he says in chapter 5 uh, 11 we have much to say about this but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand uh, he says in fact though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. <laughs> Notice, you need milk, not solid food. Now, now, before we finish this thought, look at this verse. 
these are people who have been in the faith for a while. And they were, we don't know what, well, he says they should have been teachers. By this time, they should have been teachers. That, in other words, they've been in the faith enough, not just to be somebody who's a student of the word, but somebody who is able to teach the word. And what do they need all over again? They need milk, not solid food. Well, if you wanted to know what happens, the person regresses, right? So even the doctrines that they had, the teaching, the, the instruction, the, the focus that they had, it's all, it's all going to dissipate. They will regress. They will not remember. They may have some faint memories of those things, but they will need milk. It's what he says. You need milk, not solid food, because... These people should have continued their focus, and they would be teachers, mature. But no, they did not go that route. So even if they got to the place where they were teachers, and they lost their focus, this is what would happen. They would need to grow up again. So that's interesting. You could almost say it will be like the word napias, right? So the word napias means... A person who has been probably saved a long time, but they still behave like a child. Now, it doesn't matter if the person has been saved for a long time or not. If they have not kept the focus, then they're going to revert to a childlike status. But the problem is, they won't be a new child. They'll be Napia, someone who is really resisting the spirit of truth not willing to grow up. So that is, I think that's what will happen. So listen, verse 13, anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. But notice, who by constant use, it's important that we continue and this is where faithfulness on our part, consistency comes in, where we don't just think we're growing in grace and we think it's us. We could think it's our mentality. Our, you know, we are very savvy when it comes to learning things. Or we were really good in school or something. None of that matters when it comes to the spiritual life. The Holy Spirit is in you. And he, there is the filling of the Spirit. So whatever you need to learn, wherever you are in the spiritual life, the Holy Spirit knows it and will pick up right from there to try to lead and guide you into all truth. He is always working on the inside, but we do, we can resist him. If we resist him, he is grieved, he is quenched, we're not able to experience the, the benefits of the Spirit, and we revert to whatever our sin nature trends were, most likely. So hopefully that answers a bit better than I did last week. <laughs> but um, I will leave it up to you to follow, for follow-up or others out there. Yeah, that's a good scripture. What scripture was that? That's Hebrews 5, 11 through 14. Mm -hmm. So it, it can happen. It can happen. If you, if they were mature, well, and they have not kept the focus, I can't say what the time is. Another scripture about it says, if we are divine and I mean, Christ is the vine, we're the branches. If we don't abide in the vine, it says the, the branch withers, dries up, and is good for nothing. And in the end, it will be burned. In other words, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, it will be wood, hay, and straw. Your production in this world will be wood, hay, and straw. Nothing. So notice it dries up because of who we are, what God made of us. 
our purpose is very clear. And if we don't live according to our purpose, what happens? We dry up, right? just like that branch. Can't say, oh, after three months of, of this, this will happen. No, we're not going to go there. That's God's business. We can't see on the inside to even talk about who's where and what. Only God deals with this with regard to believers, not us. So, but notice, we don't have to regard this with other people, but just we have to watch out for ourselves, that we are functioning according to the Father's eternal purpose. I'm going to pause and see if there are other questions, thoughts out there. So it sounds like we are nearing the end. We'll, we'll um, just to be sure. I thought we had some pretty good themes in this passage about being sober and what sober means. And I, I think it's important that we see these verses in the light of the new age, not in general terms. I hope, I hope that is the case. But we'll give you back the time. Last call for, for questions. And then we'll just have a word of prayer. All right, let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had this evening. We thank you for those who have joined and we are so grateful for your grace. Father, we pray for each person that is under the sound of my voice that they may come to the renewing of their minds, the transformation process, so that they will know what your good, pleasing, and perfect will is for their lives. Let's pray for each person here. In Christ's name, amen. 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 amen.